Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes a rapper called Spose from Wells, Maine. Spose's latest projects were a collaboration record with Cam Groves called We Smoked It All Three, the album, and a solo record called Why Am I So Happy. Both were released in 2015. Matt had first seen Spose perform when he was in town with MC Chris and MC Lars in 2014, the same show in which MC Lars was interviewed for Autographs episode 13. As that inevitably launches into a discussion of MC Lars's uniquely supportive personality, Spose also chats about his dual influences from rap and rock, and who helped to inform his art and career. They also discuss Spose's writing process, including an in-depth track breakdown of Why Am I So Happy. Finally, discussing the effect that current events have had on Spose's music, and how he connected with the artist Watsky on the track Nobody, here's presenting Matt Storm and Spose. Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. My guest today is the King of Maine himself, Mr. Spose. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, so I appreciate getting to chat with you. Um, I first heard your music when you were on tour with MC Chris and Lars and you visited Brooklyn. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I really dug that show. It uh, inspired me to pursue your stuff. Of course, your newest album, Why Am I So Happy, which I really dig. Um and Thank you. So, um, so I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, I I'd been a fan of Lars for a while, and actually known him for a while, but I'd never seen Chris live before. So um, I went to the show, and I that's when I first saw you, and I loved I loved your live show. I thought you uh, your stuff was great, um, and I yep. got stoked for the new album that was coming out. Um, how long was Why Am I So Happy in the making? Was that an album that took a while to put together? Um, some pieces of it I recorded previous to that tour, so, um, uh, like mid-2014, but, um, most of it, I'd say, you know, I think there's probably like 15 songs on it, like 13 of the 15 songs were recorded after that tour within like five months, so very quickly. The reason being because I got robbed while I was on that tour when we were out in... We were out in St. Louis in the middle of that tour. We'd just done, like, the first 16 dates all in a row, like, day after day. And on the last day, we went to get lunch, and I got robbed of all, you know, everything that was in our van in broad daylight. So I lost all my, not only my MacBook that I'd been recording on, but also all my backup hard drives and shit. So I lost everything, you know. So so I had to start from scratch. But thankfully, um, between the tour getting robbed and then all my fans donating like $20,000 to me to get all my shit back uh, really gave me a lot of motivation. So when I got home, why am I so happy was almost just like a, just came out of me. You know, it's like I didn't even have to overthink it or, you know, meticulously, um, you know, uh, spend a lot of time making songs I didn't like into good songs. It kind of all came out the way they are. So I was very pleased with that. If I could just talk about MC Lars for a second, though. Sure, absolutely. I love talking I, about MC Lars. I love MC Lars, <laughs> uh, and his music is one thing, and it, and it, you know, it's built him a good following, and and uh, he keeps getting better and better, and it caters to an audience. But the real thing about MC Lars is that MC Lars is literally the nicest person on earth. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, he, the, so the fun thing about MC Lars is I'd known his music for a while, and I had a friend of mine who's in a local rap group called the Wall Street Players. They are a financial-themed rap group. Yes. They, of course. Yeah, that's that's of course. a thing. Of course. Um, and one of the members, James, is, is friends with MC Lars, and made a connection for me via email. And when I emailed Lars before that tour, I think you guys were already out on that tour, I emailed him like, hey, you want to do a phone interview for my podcast? I'd love to chat with you. And he's like, oh, sure, but we'll be there in New York in November. Let's just do it in person. Why do it over the phone? Like just yeah. And so I came to that tour. He comes to me a ticket, which was really sweet. And then I hung around until after the van was packed up, and we sat in his tour van and just chatted for a half hour. And he was just wow. so candid, so candid, so nice. 
And, then, and it's not a joke. It's not like a, an act or something. No. Because when you first meet him, you kind of assume, like, oh, it's like a character he's playing. No, he's actually just the fucking nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And, like, one time, you know, that... So I had known Lars for years um, because he went on another tour with MC Chris. Before I... To be honest, I had never heard of either of them. And, um, you know, and I don't know if how Lars had come across me either. And um, so he was in Portland, Maine, and reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to do a song? And so the first time I ever met him, we went to the studio together and made a song. Um the song he would keep refused to let me put it out though because he didn't like his part. So and, and I respect that. I respect that as an artist. But uh so I met him then and then um you know, I went on the tour with them partly because I I just really liked MC Lars and I was like but I still didn't think it was for real and then I did the whole tour with him and nope, he's really just the greatest man on earth. Yeah. It's it's really mind blowing how kind he is. Like after I did that interview and the interview came out on my website, um, he emailed me like a few weeks later. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be back in town for Warp Tour, and I've got a couple extra comps, and I don't know anyone in New York who wants to grab them. You want you want to come to Warp Tour for free?" Wow! I'm like, "What?" And then like, oh. I, and every time I see him, he treats me like a long lost friend that he's just not seen. Like it's like we've known each other forever. He emails well, in with me. Like he's just he's just the most genuine artist I think I've ever. A genuine person I've ever met. Like, absolutely wears yep. the heart on his sleeve. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. And I love him. And he's also, well, uh, you know, just to give you another example, if we could just continue the MC Lars parade. Uh, <laughs> after that tour, you know, we kept in touch. And I had I kept making this joke with him. I was like, I want to make a song about partying with Lars, but you're doing all this, like, fucked up, like, crazy shit that is way out of character for you. And so we were talking about that, and we made that song. And then, like, Three months go by, and I get an email out of the blue that's from Lars that says, and it's just, hey, buddy, you know, really glad I met you. You're a good friend. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like, like, who does that, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, and it's it's funny because I've been blessed to meet a ton of nerdcore rappers. Um, I'm friends with a bunch of the ones that are based out of New York, and so I got into that world and then branched out to indie rap and to indie artists and, and have made connections through other connections, but of all of the people I've ever met or talked to, he's always the one who checks in, is always sweet, is never upset, is always happy to see you. It's just, it's 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 truly refreshing in how shitty most of the world can be sometimes to know that MC Lars is a constant point of positivity, which is yeah, amazing. I, quote, quote that. Yeah, that's it right there. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um but uh, but yeah no well that's that's happy to hear that it's it's that way with the artists too because you know of course the nerdcore community is really really you know uh, supportive of each other and, and indie rap community in general because I've met through through the nerdcore community other rappers who aren't necessarily per, per se nerdcore but definitely are branched from it or know artists in it and everybody's yeah. just so supportive it's it's why I think like I always grew up listening to rap. But, you know, which I'm sure you can relate to, a white kid who liked rock music and also rap, like, there wasn't, I didn't feel like there was a ton of artists that I could relate to, even though I liked their music. Um, and so yeah. now as an adult, being able to find music, like, what I love about your album, Why Am I So Happy, is A, it's talking about very real, just face-to-face -face stuff, and it feels very personal, but, like, the song uh, Alternative Radio like, yeah. I I get the sense that me and you have to be at least around the same age because that song is my experience. Uh, I have right, the same I'm experience 30. coming up. I'm 30. So I'm th I'm 32. So yeah, we're right around that same age. Yeah. And yeah. Like, so I, it it kind of dates me, you know, obviously because like kids <laughs> who listen to the music, you know, it, I mean we're getting old, you know. I'm 30 now, and <laughs> and and rap is a young man's game, but uh, I've always found. Even back before I re there was really a ton of rappers I had ever heard of who did similar things to me that, that I do, um, I, I always thought my niche was like, I love rap music. I love Biggie. I love Jay-Z. I love Dr. Dre. I love, you know, Eminem. But I don't relate to these people. However, yeah. I love the style in which they do it. You know, so like, what if I could, and this was like my, I figured this out as like a freshman in college, I was like, wait, because I, I had been rapping for years, but I couldn't really figure out what to do, at what my, what the reason I was rapping was. And I almost re I realized in that in that time, I was like, okay, well, what if I rap in the style of my favorites, but I'm just rapping about my life, 
so that it inspires somebody who, you know, maybe loves rap music but doesn't hear anything they can relate to, to to get a gateway into the music I love. And I don't love Eminem and Biggie and Jay-Z because I relate to it. I love it like I love a movie. You know, like I love it like I love reading a book. Like I, I learn about a world I've never seen. I've never been to Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, you know, uh, and, and I've never been to, you know, the Marcy Projects where Jay-Z's from, but Jay-Z can take me there, sure. you know. And so that's kind of what, what I try to do with mine is just do the same thing that all my favorites did um, and take you to my world. And, and, and like you said with the alternative radio, you know, that is my world, and, and my world has guitars in it sometimes, you know. Yeah. And my world has... It's different, you know, and I think the closer I can get to truthfully telling my story, both musically, lyrically, thematically, honestly, you know, the better art I'm making or the better a contribution to society I'm making. No, yeah, absolutely. And, like, you have a line, I forget which song it was in off the top of my head because I still got coffee brain, but, um, Ah. you know, I'm too rap for my rock friends, I'm too rock for my rap friends, and I felt like that growing up. I absolutely felt like that. Like, I dressed like a heavy metal kid, but I loved Busta Rhymes. Like, it yeah. blew my mind and destroyed my world when Jonathan Davis of Corner and Busta Rhymes did a song together. I'm like, what? You can do no, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, Ice Cube's on the Corn album or whatever. Uh, exactly, yeah. So, it, so yes. Um, I literally, you know, and this is not to say this in, like, emo, like, I'm that kind of way. Like, <laughs> I was never so... Like, my rock friends, for example, like my friends, you know, uh, you know, Matt Sampson and Zach B., who I was in, like, a band with growing up, I was never, they never fully related to me. You know, I was almost like the outsider. I was too over here to to be like, so now when, like, Matt Sampson's about to get married, and I, you know, I'm probably not going to be one of his groomsmen or something, you know, because I wasn't. I didn't have that full connection with him. And then with my rap friends, I could hang with them, but I also was, like, a little too too alternative rock to, like, really fit in with them. So not to say I'm, like, a loner, but, like, I've never met anyone who really was the same as me, you know? So it's, like, sure. so I don't have best friends in a way. It's, like, a weird thing. You alienate yourself by being this, this person I was, you know? And uh, I don't really know how to articulate it, and maybe that song is the closest I've ever got. But sure. it's been a it's been a struggle almost in my life to be like I'm more I'm I have like thousands of acquaintances and maybe very few best friends. Sure. And maybe the best friends I have are business acquaintances like DBO, my DJ Jay, who you know I pay him and he comes to the gig and we hang out a lot because we do music together. Um, right. And maybe that's like anybody is friends with their coworkers, but um. Yeah, it's just been an interesting thing, man. My whole life, I've always felt like I, re- I could relate to everybody, and I was friends with everybody, but maybe that made it so I wasn't best friends with anybody. Yeah, I mean, it's also, like, it's a very modern thing to like a ton of different genres of music. Like, growing up, I'm sure it's the same for you, it's like someone was a rocker or a rapper or, yeah. you know. Like, there was no, no blending of genres, but now more and more, there are so many artists blend, blending genres that it's, it's kind of almost impossible to just like one thing these days. People do, but yeah. it's a lot rarer to do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was very hard to find, you know, and I, I guess that's maybe it is. I, I love rap music, but I also love, you know, the Smashing Pumpkins, and I love, you know, I even appreciate pop music. I don't hate pop music, so, like, sure. in that regard, I mean, as much as I was, like, a a computer kid and, like, you know, did made websites and used Photoshop and, like, recorded my own songs and made my own beats. I also really liked, like, the Patriots, you know, and, like, sure. and sports and stuff. So, like, I, I've never been, I mean, maybe I spread myself too thin in that regard, but, like, that's a, a big piece of my identity. And, and part of that tour, you know, out on that tour, me and MC Chris clashed a few times because I would kind of acknowledge while on stage, I would acknowledge that, like, I'd make, like, a sports reference, and then I was like, oh, you guys probably don't give a shit, you know, or something to the crowd, <laughs> you know. But uh, that's kind of, that's honestly how I've always felt, though, you know. So, yeah, that song you're referring to is a little different. And, oh, yeah. Um, it's a very um, – I didn't I, – I, you know, I try not to be, like, corny, although <laughs> some of it, you know – but, like, that song might be, I just felt like it might have been too, like, I was reluctant to make a song so obvious, like, I'm a little different from you. If you don't like me, fuck you, you know. But yeah. I, 
but I feel like it's honest, you know. It's uh, yeah. that, and that's that. I think that's the only litmus test I give my stuff is if it's honest, do it. Well, yeah, and I think that's why, like, that's why nerdcore resonated with me so much. A lot of indie rap these days does is because most of it is so honest. It's usually very personal, or it's from a personal place or not a place. And I mean, I've listened to a lot of, I don't want to say garbage music, but I've listened to a lot of candy music that's just like you know, upbeat and, and lyrics and it's not really thoughtful and that stuff has its place, but I like to relate to something. Whether sure. it's direct experience and, and you can tell when an artist is full of crap. You know, I feel like it's more apparent yeah. these days when pop stars aren't necessarily writing all of their music, it's more apparent than it was to people ten years ago. I agree. I um uh I also do really appreciate where pop music's at musically in a real sure. adventure in a real adventurous place, which I feel like trickles down to all music where if a kid is you know, my daughter for example is about to turn seven years old in a few weeks and she um she's grown up in a world where pop music is not uh for a little while it was like dance, EDM, pop, rap or whatever, but like yeah. it's really without boundary. You know, there's no sound that it's not okay to hear on pop radio, whether it's weird, you know, synth noises or uh, acoustic guitar or whatever. So I hope that creates a trickles down almost like if you have a good little league, you'll have a good, like, high school team. Like, if you have a good, like, pop music base growing up that shows kids there are no boundaries, um, they'll make, they'll be unrestricted in the music they make when they grow up. Yeah, totally. I and, I and I agree. I think that also, I mean, there's a lot more of a drive to for artists, even if they're not initially writing or or doing all of Tiny Instruments on all their stuff in the beginning, there's more of a for us to try to do that as they grow, as those artists grow, which is something yeah. that, you know, people were content to just have other people write their music in the pop scene in the 90s, whereas now it feels like there's more, uh, like even, you know, someone like Taylor Swift who at least plays guitar and she writes her, yeah. some of her music and songs, you know. And and you can tell the difference between that or someone who like Katy Perry who doesn't write all of her music, and you can hear the difference. Yeah, but Katy Perry used to play like acoustic guitar in like a Christian rock band. Yes, which Did a lot you know of people that? don't even know. Yeah, she, yeah, she performed under another name, right? It wasn't Katy Perry. It was yeah, yeah, it was that. Well, I forget what it is, but have you ever seen this like a screen grab that went around a few months ago of Katy Perry as an extra in a POD video? I didn't see that. Dude, you gotta search like Katy Perry POD after we get out the play. It's so hilarious. She's like, uh, she looks like us in 1999 or whatever, you know, with the big <laughs> pants and the. Man, it's so good. Man, POD, that's a band I have not heard of in a long time. Talk about rap rock. like. And I hope we never hear about them again. Yeah. I, I mean, I got hooked on their singles back in the day, like everyone knew you the nation. But now I yeah. look back and I go, like, what was I thinking? That stuff is terrible. Yeah, same. But at the same time, I mean, they had its place, and and nobody's yeah. success, and nobody's successful by accident. So I shouldn't be a hater, but uh, yeah. POD is definitely like a a, a a joke to me, you know, at this yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Like Creed or something. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, some bands that didn't quite have the longevity, even, even though they were everywhere back in the nineties. Um, yeah, but we were we were all like okay with it. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, like, we were very much okay with it. I mean. Um, the, the next thing I wanted to actually ask you about is I'm always interested to hear how artists collaborate. I know that uh, one of my favorite From the Heart songs that I relate to on the album is, of course, Nobody that you did with Watsgate. Um, yeah. And and that song. So I'm always curious to hear how artists collaborate and get together because I, of course, adore Watsgate. I think his stuff is great. Um, uh, the song he did with MC Lars on his new record also was great. Um, Very great. You, Wasn't it good? Oh my God! Yeah, it was one of those songs where I was like, "Oh, oh, I'm crying." Yeah, I'm crying. Yeah, the song is like, <laughs> I'm crying. Uh, yeah. Well, what I especially loved about what I love about Watsky in general, and especially on that song with MC Lars, is Watsky has a great ear for melody. Mm-hmm. So he'll rap, and he's great at rapping. But he'll, you know, he has a good ear for melody, and that's why his song, you know, that's why you could go see Watsky at like a sold out amphitheater because Watsky, okay. you know. Because better than more so than being a rapper, he's a songwriter and has a good ear for melody. So uh, here's the story of how Watsky's on that song. Um, I mean, the story of the song starts long before that when I played with this band out in Toledo, Ohio in 2010 
when I was touring for my single, I'm Awesome, which became very popular. I signed a major label deal, um, and I was, you know, the song did very well, and I was touring, and I, one of the bands that opened for me, who should not have been opening for me, I should have been opening for them, was this band, The Right Now, and they mm-hmm. played this song, Nobody. And I bought their CD, and I listened to the song for years, and I, I sent them an email maybe in 2012 about, I'd really love to get permission to sample that song and make a beat out of it. I just, I had tried it myself, and it wasn't that great. And so I had a session when I got back from the MC Chris tour with my buddy Decap, who's this kid I know from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And he actually, he's a producer. He produced a bunch of songs on Why Am I So Happy, Kanye Go, uh, uh, Nobody, uh, Happy Right Now, um, a bunch of others. So Decap and I, I'm headed to the studio with Decap, and I'm like, man, what can we work on? Because I was like, I don't know what we're going to work on. So I tried to come in with an idea, and I was like, man, I'd love to really sample that Nobody song. So I had it on my laptop, and we flipped it, made a beat, I made the song. And and now let me take you back to how I met Waski to collide these two worlds. So <laughs> I went to college in Boston at Suffolk University um, mm-hmm. for four years as an English major. And my roommate was my buddy, who's probably, my, you know, my best friend. If I was to have an actual best friend, it's probably my buddy Tom Knight, who was my, he was my friend in high school and also my college roommate. But he went to Emerson in Boston, uh, which is like the art school. And a lot right. of kids go from, go from Emerson, uh, you know, like Jay Leno went to Emerson and like a bunch of like famous people went to Emerson. And it's, you know, so they go into the program and then they move to L.A. and they become like film directors, producers, gaffers, actors bartenders, whatever, you know. And so Tom, at some point after he graduated from Emerson, was living out in L.A. down the street from a kid he went to school with at Emerson who was, like, one of his buddies, and his roommate was Watsky. And so, because Watsky went to Emerson. And so so Tom and Watsky have some sort of conversation one time. They're shooting the shit. And he mentions that, like, oh, my buddy raps uh, Spose. And, and essentially, uh, Watsky's like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know his stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And so Tom connected us on email. Watsky invited me out to do a few shows in New England, which was kind of him because he's bigger than me and didn't have to do that. Um, and so I opened a few shows for him, and we were uh, – it was cool. It was cordial, and I feel like our fan – you know, for example, like, there's a kid who runs this – group, the Spose Army, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a Spose, like fan club, essentially. Uh, his name's Adam Fishman. He'll probably be the only person who listens to this when I post the link. Because, <laughs> but, no offense, but shout out to Adam Fishman. But he heard of me at one of those shows that did Wawaski. Um, right. And so, and so you know, we maintain a relationship. And I was like, hey, man, I'd love to do a record together um, sometime down the line. And that time happened to be when I was doing why am I so happy? So I sent him, I actually sent him two songs. I sent him the lies song and I sent him nobody. And I asked if he would get on either one. And he was very quickly to hit me back and be like, yo dude, I will get on this one and I will send you shit like tomorrow. And he did. So he got on nobody, sent me something. And then the, the, but he, that was like last minute. That was like, I'm about to mix the album tomorrow. I sent him an email you know, once I was like, yo, dude, if you could, I'm mixing this album tomorrow. So, like, I need this ASAP. I realize it's last minute. I've already asked, you know, I'd already asked him, but I was like, and this is just by email. I've known him in person, but at this point, we're across the country. I'm in Maine. He's in California. Right. And so, and so he sends me it at the last minute. It's super dope. I love what he had to say. He crushed it, as you would expect. Um and then, so, at that point, unfortunately, I didn't think he was going to get on the record, so I'd already shot the video with just me. Right. Um, and so, then I re- when he got on the song, I was like, damn it, I can't put out this video with him on the song and not in the video. So, I messaged Tom, my buddy from Emerson. I was like, yo, Tom, do you know anybody, like any of your Emerson buddies, I could, you know, toss $500 to or whatever and have them go to a location somewhere in L.A. and film Watsky, and Watsky was, like, moving that day to San Francisco or some shit. And I was like, and so he made time to do that, which is just another example of, like, someone's super generosity who does not need to do that shit for me, you know? 
it, it is a, it is, you know, his fan base, he has millions of views on, on a bunch of his videos. He's, he's a very, he toured fucking India last year. Like, wow. he doesn't have to do that for me. And it's like very, uh, speaks to his character, you know, that he would, um, and it doesn't even really speak negatively to his character if he didn't, but it's just like, you know, super sure. dope of him to make that time for me. Um, and so that is how nobody with Watsky came about. That's awesome. Yeah. It's one of those songs too, that you can tell like came from a place of care and sincerity. And I always, I always gravitate to emotional songs like that. So, so, uh, it, it, it quickly became one of my favorites on the record. Thank you, man. Yeah. It, I mean, it became a favorite of mine too. And I, you know, sometimes you get, you know, with me, sometimes like the stuff that I, I don't, like I'll I'll pour my heart out into something, and then a song that's like a joke becomes the really successful thing. So it's sure. sometimes frustrating to as a as an artist to have that be the the reality. So sometimes I'm reluctant to really like bear my soul on a record like that. But uh, I feel like on nobody it was kind of a good mix of both sides of it. So. Yeah, totally. Um... You mentioned Lies Song before. I want to talk a little bit about your writing process. Lies Song, I think, is a good place to start. The Lies Song, obviously, that's one of those songs that's more or less, it's a gag. From the beginning, it's, you know, you don't lie, yeah. and then it's a song of lies. Um, did a song like that come up, when you when you create a song like that, is that something that you come up with the lyrics, the concept first, and then you create a beat and music for it? Or does it evolve the other way around? Like, how does that's a song a like that, that's clearly got a goal and a purpose, come to be? Yeah, what a great question. So, um... I'll speak to live song in particular to kind of describe how that will happen. Most of that starts with the idea. You know, I, I, I remember even telling my engine, I was actually mixing, I want to say I was like mixing my previous album, Peter Sparker, when I came up with that idea. Um, and I was in the studio and I had a dude who played bass with me and we actually like made a beat with the bass and like I played, I played some like drums on it and we made a, we made a song, and I remember it was it was called it was that concept, and I was trying to do it. Um, and then when I got robbed, and I never finished it, and it was like laying around as an idea for like two years, you know, a song that's all lies. And uh, then and it included a couple of the lyrics from the the lies, like uh, fat people look awesome in spandex and. Nobody ever got killed by Aaron Hernandez. That like exact bar was from right after Aaron Hernandez, the football player, murdered his buddy. You know, so like 2013 or something. Sure. And so, so the song had been sitting on my laptop, unfinished, kind of like something I had, but I never really, I kind of forgot about it. And then I got robbed, so I lost the song. And then somewhere in there, I remembered the idea. And it just so happened that Teddy Rockspin, who produced that record, sent me a batch of beats in my email. And I opened up that one, and I thought of the song, or I thought of the song, and I opened up the beat, and I was like, here it is. And so a lot of times that, you know, and even my most successful song, I'm Awesome, which is kind of a gag also, sure. start, start as the idea or as a joke you would make to a buddy and you're like, Oh, that could be a song, you know? And um, so that's how most, most of those start. No, it's all right. I, I, my, my follow up would be like when you're writing. So, you know, you, you write, you clearly have a versatility for writing different kinds of song, whether it's from the heart or it's kind of a gag or, it's you know, political or a gag and it's political or when, when you're writing, do you find it harder to write the songs that start out as an idea and then come together or when it starts from an emotional place and then you kind of put it together that way? Is one harder than the other or is it just different? Um, I mean, it's not, and not to give you a non-answer, but the, the songs that come together easy um, always come together very quickly and without much thought. It's almost right. like a not to say a stream of consciousness, which is like a cop-out answer, but like they come from a real genuine, anytime, it, you know, you can almost tell, you know, the the best songs come from a real genuine, honest, like I just opened up, like, oh, I just struck a moment, and there it all is on, on record. 
Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes a song will start with an idea. You know, I have a lot of songs that start with ideas that never make it to being released because they I, I get halfway through and then I lose the inspiration and they don't get finished or, um, you know, or I write, like, 50 verses to it and none of them, like, you know, like, the, you, the songs you labor over and you, like, over, you, like, try too hard usually suck, you know, <laughs> and you can just tell, you know, and so sometimes there's exceptions to that, but... Um, Am I getting to, like, what your question is, or is that not yeah, what you're asking? totally. No, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly just looking to dive deep, a little deeper into your writing process. I mean, I'm always interested. I know, you know, so, some artists write their lyrics first and then try and construct a beat around it. Some artists yeah. write the beat and then construct the lyrics after they have a great beat. And so I'm always curious how people kind of put songs together. But, I mean, that's, that's pretty common. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, the, the the harder you think about something, sometimes the harder it is to get it out because you kind of get lost in the concept of the song and can't really get it onto paper. But um, but I'm always just maybe, curious how that stuff is born out of. Well, maybe just to illustrate how diversely a song can come about, um, uh, let me just run through, like, that album, Why Am I So Happy in My Head, and tell you how, like, I came up with each of those songs because you would, you would realize that, like, oh... Like, there's 50 different ways to come up with a song, you know? And so, or at least 15. Um, so, skipping the intro, which I'll go back to, uh, the song Happy Right Now, the second track, I received as, like, a demo of that beat without a lot of the uh, the the cool elements of that beat. It was almost just the drum beat and the bass line, and I, and I loved the melody in the bass line. And so, I, 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 a lot of times, I'll get in the car... And I'll throw on my iPhone and I'll open up a Gmail because a lot of you know a lot of people Gmail beats. You know they'll be like, sure. oh, I came up here's like five beats I came up with yesterday. Let me know if you're feeling anything. And I'll be like, oh shit, I love this one. Will you you know whatever. So my friend Decap sent me a drum track and like a bass line and the melody of the bass line. I came up with this like da 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 with no lyrics. And so I was like, man, I really want to record that before I forget it. And then I, um, and then I came up with the hook. And if you come up with the hook, the rest of the song basically writes itself because it's like an essay. The hook is the thesis statement, and the verses are your supporting paragraphs, your supporting evidence. So that's how I came up with that one. Started with decap beat. Uh, the next song is feel all right, which which actually I wrote the verses over a different beat. It was actually. The Nicki Minaj song "Truffle Butter." I wrote the beat. I wrote the verses over because my friend Sarah, who's a great rapper named Lady Essence, asked uh-huh. me if I would get on a track with her, and that was the she just wanted to do like a remix of that song. So I wrote the verses over that, and then I I heard this Teddy Rockspin beat in my email, and I started spitting those verses because I had just wrote them that day, and I was like, "Damn, sorry, Sarah, I'm putting these on my song." Uh, live song we already went over. Um, uh, I forget what comes next to be greatest shit ever. Yep. Greatest shit ever started with, uh, there's an app for the iPhone or whatever phone called Boxer. Uh-huh. You familiar with it? Yes, yeah. It's like a Nextel, like, it's like a walkie-talkie. So, like, yeah. I was trying to show my engineer, John Wyman, who I only go to when I have a song finished and I want to mix it. You know, I go up to the studio and we mix it. And I was trying to show John Wyman how Boxer worked. And I was talking to my buddy DJ Rue, who is just a friend of mine, who's a great DJ, great producer, great rapper. And he said, uh, and he sent back, he's like, yo, yo, yo. He's like, boxer, you get shit from me, like, bow, bow, bow. And he like, I was like, yo, Wyman, I was like, we should loop that up and try to make a song out of it. And then I came up with uh, that. I was like, uh, I was like, yo, 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 just because I saw Kanye West do this a few years ago, and now I'm obsessed with doing this. I was like, before I get sick of the beat, I'm going throw the mic on, I'm going to go record whatever comes to my mind. First, out of my head. And so, greatest shit ever, we looped up that DJ Rue box, and then I, we threw some drums over it there, MIDI drums, like, you know, like playing a, a MIDI controller. And then I, I came up with the, I'm usually drunk, but today, or like, I'm usually broke, but today, man, I just got paid, you know. And then I was like, uh, and, and DJ Rue said in the box, he goes, oh, it's the greatest shit ever. And I was like, oh, that would be the song title. So that was that song. A uh, little different, the song we were talking about, came entirely from that 
two chord progression, that E to the A, that's like da 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 that's the whole song. And that came from I bought a synthesizer off eBay of chord delta. Oh and it was like and it was like an OG like nineteen eighties like out of print synthesizer. It came in the mail. There were dudes installing a furnace in my basement that day, but at that point I didn't have a my own studio yet, so I was recording in my basement. So they were working on the furnace I went downstairs, and I just opened up Logic, which is the program I record into, and I recorded, like, you know, like 10 different ideas with the different sounds I made with the new synth. And the best one of those was that A sound that is that I layered guitars over, but is essentially the root of that song, is that synth line that you hear buried in the chorus a little different. And that's how that song started, is I... I had that, and then I had the hook, which was a few days later, I, I, I pulled up that beat. I was like, damn, I love this little, like, beat I made. And so I came, well, the first thing that came to mind was like, da 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 you know, and so I was like, I'm a little different, you know. And I, I thought that hook was, like, whack. You know, honestly, I didn't think it was cool. <laughs> and, and I sent it, I, I remember I gave Cam Gross, who's, like, one, another one of my good friends who I've done, we just put out an album together, me and Cam, We've done three albums together. We smoked it all, one, two, and three. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I sent Cam, I, I gave Cam on like a, a thumb drive, like 22 demos I had made. And out of all the songs, he goes, he goes, the only one I really like is Little Different. And I was like, okay, fuck. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I was like pissed that he didn't like any of the other ones. And one of those was like the demo of Lies song that was over a different beat, you know. Right. Um, and uh which it wasn't as good, so I, I'm I appreciate his honesty. But um so a little different uh you know, survived the the robbery as a as a beat. You know, I still had like the M P three in my email, so I built it out of that. Um and then songs like Kanye Go came from the day we made Nobody at the studio and I kinda described how that came about already. We were we made that, and then he played me a beat that I that became Thanks Obama. The exact yeah. beat he played me is Thanks Obama, and it only became Thanks Obama because I already had the idea, like, oh, I'd really like to make a song called Thanks Obama about sarcastically me blaming Obama for everything, you know? <laughs> um, and so he played that beat, and I was like, yo, I got a song called Thanks Obama. I work over that beat, so whatever. And then this dude, DJ John, came in, who is the best DJ, you know, Scratch wise, like wiki wiki, like PJ from <laughs> from my home state. And John mm-hmm. came in, and we were talking and talking and talking. And it was like, and we were talking about the stuff we were making. And John's like, yeah, 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 man, that's all cool and shit. But like, you guys should make some hits. <laughs> like, <laughs> which seems so obvious, but like we're like, oh yeah, we should. And then me and D, so John leaves the room, and me and Decap, and I want to say somebody else was there. We're like. Yeah, man, we should make some fucking hits. And so the first, I was like, I've always had this idea about making a song that uses rapper noises in the hook, like rapper ad-libs. Yeah. And so that became Kanye Go, you know. And then I took, so we made the drums and the chords right there, and then I took it to my studio without decap, and I wrote the verses and the hook. And then uh, I had a dude come play, I had my friend Kyle Gervais come play bass on it. And while he's playing bass on it, I was like, yo, Kyle, I got this other song called Work in Progress that I love the lyrics to the hook on. I'd love to do, like, a singer-songwriter-y version of that hook as, like, an intro to my album. So that's when Kyle did that intro to the album, the Work mm-hmm. in Progress intro. You know, and so songs come about in a million different ways. Yeah, no, and, and I pretty, honestly, that's the most in-depth I've got, uh, in any of my interviews that I've gone into an album. And it's nice to hear... It's nice to hear that there's that kind of a variety. I mean, as I'm someone who's in my entire life written one set of lyrics, and, you know, I'm not a songwriter, so I'm always fascinated by the process. Because while I appreciate and listen to a ton of music, I don't necessarily always know the process. And so it's fascinating to hear the different ways it can go. And, that's yeah, and, songs I, don't, can... and I don't know how other people do it. You know, I know from watching, I'm obsessed with music, so like, I'll watch any music. If, if it's a bit, I don't care if it's Justin Bieber or Ariana Grande or or a band I love, if I see a video on YouTube that shows them in the studio, 
I will click on it and watch it because I want to know how everybody does shit. I want to know how, you know, and so uh, I'm I'm just like, I'm intrigued by it too, just like you. So, um, yeah, happy to offer any insight. But I think the, the under, although all those processes are different, uh, the, the string that ties them all together, the common thread is that every one of those songs came from a genuine place. You sure. know, it came from like a, something I was excited about at one time, and whether it's a, a song idea or a, a beat or a synth line or a bass line or a, a, a hook idea or a box, you know, like whatever. Totally, yeah. And, and, and again, like I said earlier, you can tell that just by listening to it, that it comes from that place. Um, my next question is when you're, when you're not, when you're not being too busy being the king of Maine or the greatest rapper in the world or making the greatest shit ever, what do you like to do in your downtime? What's your, you know, besides listening to and writing music, do you have any hobbies that, that really help you relax besides that stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, a huge piece of my, maybe, I mean, my, the biggest part of my life, even, even like besides music is that. When I was 22 years old, I I met a girl and I got her pregnant real quick. <laughs> and and I, at the time I'm 22 years old and I'm in college and I'm like a, a wannabe rapper who's waiting tables. Um, and so we had a, we had our first daughter then, and then five years later um, we had our second daughter, and then last year we had twins. So wow. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so somewhere in there we got married also, um, and so you know my wife and my kids are my life, you know, and that's what I do every day, and that's not what I started out doing as a rapper, and so like I started out as like I'm getting stoned, living at my mom's house, like I'm going, you know, I don't give a fuck was like my OG standpoint, <laughs> and then uh, you know I turned in, I'm now like a, a suburban dad. You know, uh, and so it was really, uh, luckily I was able to find the common thread and all that, which is that if I just tell the truth and be honest and be me, you know, it doesn't matter who, what type of life I'm living, there's going to be somebody who relates to it. Um, so my family, not to say they're like what relaxes me. I mean, they definitely like give me uh, a purpose (laughs) in life and I love them, but it's definitely a lot of work, especially because we got babies. We got fucking baby twins, you know. It's like not easy, so I'm feeding a lot of, you know, blended up avocados to children in the morning. <laughs> and, well, and you know, every morning for the past six years that I've been self-employed as a rapper, you know, I get up and I've got kids I got to take care of before I can get to rapping. You know, whether it sure. be, and obviously my wife does a lot of stuff and is a great mom, but she also teaches fifth grade. You know, she's oh, wow. a full cool. she's a full time fifth grade teacher. Um, and so, you know, although my like job is very profitable, like it's much better that she's working instead of like sitting around the house, you know, not having her own stuff going on. So, sure. uh, so that's like a big piece of my life. Um, and the things that relax me outside of that are, um, sports. I really like watching sports, well, you know, and, and even aside from making music, music itself, just like listening to music watching, you know, I spend all day trying to find music. I'm not, um, I I saw something one time that said, like, when the age that people stop finding, stop looking for new music is, like, 30 or something. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I just don't see that happening with me. Like, I see, like, I'm, I'm finding new shit all the time, and I'm intrigued by, like, kids who grew up in a whole new era that never heard any of the shit I heard, and what are they going to make, you know, and it's inspiring sure. to me. So so music is like, even if it's not making music, music is my main, like, you know, piece. You know, I love collecting vinyl, and I love just playing guitar if I'm hanging out, but um, sports are a big thing to me. I love the Boston Celtics with all my fucking heart and soul, and so I don't, you know, in my... In the last 10 years, I've maybe missed, like, two or three Celtics games, and it was probably because I was on tour and my league pass didn't have the game. Um, <laughs> and so, for, and, and what that, and, you know, because I don't play video games, and I don't really watch many movies, and I know that, like, is going to break so many nerdcore hearts, but the reason, <laughs> but the reason is, is because logically, and I use logic as my, like, main barometer of life, 
you know, the same reason I don't believe in, you know, and this is no knock on anybody who does, the same reason I don't believe in God or whatever is the same reason I don't play video games. Because logically, it doesn't make any sense to me because it doesn't do anything to further my dream of becoming the spokesperson slash savior of the average man, you know, or the little people or the, or the whatever, you know. Sure. And so it's like I could sit there and play whatever for three hours, but then I'm still at the exact same spot I'm at three hours ago, you sure. know, if, if I'm not working. So um, sports is like the the mental shutoff I have. So, like, I can sit down for three hours on a, you know, on a Wednesday night in January, and for that three hours, for some reason, my mind gives me a, a pass. It says, you don't got to worry about making a song, promoting this, figuring out what you're going to do tomorrow, making a checklist, you know, doing your taxes. You don't have to worry about anything. Just watch the fucking game, and if the Celtics win, feel great, and if they lose, stick with them, and maybe they'll win tomorrow. You know, and so that's, like, my distraction. And and also I get, you know, and you can tell from my music probably if you've listened close and you have, uh, that I get, I get, I watch the news. Like, I know what fucked up shit is happening in the world, and it's hard to reconcile sometimes, especially as somebody who has kids, um, when they're murdering 150 teenagers in in a military school in Pakistan, you know, at least that night I get to for three hours watch the Celtics and not think about any of that shit, you know. So sports is my big one. Um, music is even bigger than that. And um, I'm terrible at sports, though. So I, I just live vicariously through every – like my wife, like, played, like, college – college softball and was, like, a great athlete in high school. So she's better than me at everything. Wow. So, yeah, I, yeah it's rough. It's rough. So I live vicariously through, you know, sports and and um, and I'm trying to think like what else. That sounds so boring that my two interests are music. And- it's not boring. I mean, I'm impressed with my own fortitude because I live in New York and I'm a Giants fan. And you mentioned the Patriots and I didn't hang up on you. So well, I'm I'm proud hey, of myself. So. You're the only people who have anything to say to us, though. You you guys dominated us in two Super Bowls. It's, like, so sad. Like, Giants fans are literally the only people we can't talk shit to. It's so brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that I could say much about my Giants this year because, you know. Well, I mean, whatever. What you, you guys are, are uh, you know, you got us for life. So until we beat yeah. you in the Super Bowl, we got nothing to say. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean – I'm always interested. I mean, obviously, you know, like, it wouldn't be a shock that MC Lars plays video games. And, you know, MC Chris, obviously, it's video games, TVs, movies. I mean, that's their, that's their, that's where they draw some of their art from. Whereas if you're yeah. writing about stuff that you see in the news, and, like, that's why I actually really, what I love about the song, uh, why, why Am I So Happy, is, like, the back and forth between, you know, my life has got this great stuff, but then there's this shit going on in the world and, you know, the question, why why are you so happy? Why aren't you happy? You know, you're here. There's all this stuff going on in the world. And it, it's a really, it was a really interesting uh, structure for song, especially for a narrative. And I just, I, I love that kind of back and forth, uh, talking about how good we can, we can have it here, even when we think it's not great. But o- overseas or in another country, it could be way worse. Yeah. Okay. So, man, I had, I had almost totally forgot about that song when I was running through the list of the, the album. Um, and so I will say, dude, I got to like bounce off the phone in like five minutes cause I'm getting a haircut. <laughs> no worries. But, uh, let me try to squeeze this in real quick. That song is like my whole mantra and may, and I've, I've even tackled it redundantly almost on songs before. For example, knocking on wood is yeah. another song on another album that I've tackled this topic of cheer the fuck up a and B, um, it's not that bad, you know, and, yeah. and it comes it comes from the Facebook world of everybody complaining about everything when we really don't have it that bad. But that oh, song, yeah. the way I created that song is one of the more interesting things I've ever done musically. I play live, if I can afford it, most shows I'll play live with this band or with a band, but most times I pick the band Sly Chi, which is like a jazz funk band from soul funk band from 
Maine, where I'm from. Uh-huh. And Sly T, uh, we we had to play. So I'll just say, I'll just say this: this chick offered us ten thousand dollars to play her sweet sixteen birthday party. So I wow. did. So right. I did. And uh, I and if you're giving me ten grand, I have enough to hire Sly T. So I hired Sly T. And um, we so we had to come up with a bunch of songs because we had to play for like three hours. So. Tyler, the keyboardist, was like, yo, I got this little jam and played this part, and we record, and we, so we played it at that show, and I, did, I rapped, like, some some verses I already had over it. But I loved it so much that I, I loved that little jam that I went to his studio, the Sly Cheese Space, and I think it was, like, the winter. Or, no, I guess it was, like, the fall, and I went and I just brought my recording equipment there and recorded them playing, recorded him on his Rhodes keyboard playing a bunch of different variations of that riff into into logic to a click, you know? And then yeah. I took that, chopped it up, sequenced it, and then I got a, the bassist, Raph, to come in and play some bass, and then I chopped his bass up, moved it all around. Then uh, I threw some drums over it. I had my friend Renee come in and sing this hook, I, the part I wrote, the the melody that's in yeah. there. And, I, and then I played the drums on it. Um, like like actual physical drums, which is like a they like it's bad, but blended with the, like stock the like computer drums I put in there, it sounds fucking awesome. And the uh, so and so musically, structurally, it's one of the more unique songs I've ever made. A and B, the way it came together, is super cool because it came from another genuine place. I just love this little piano riff Tyler was doing nothing with, you know. Sure. Yeah, no, that, and you can tell the care that went into that song for sure, between the lyrics and the music for sure. Um, so now you got to run. So before you do, I, I want to thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it, man. I've become a huge fan of your work since I saw you a few years ago, and, and it thank really you, is great to, to chat with you. Um, I will follow your career closely, and I'm excited for new stuff. Um, anything you want to promote real quick before you get off? Send people to, obviously, you know, you're on iTunes, and, and you have your website, um, but is there any place you want to direct or any – any specific content you want people to go straight to to check out? Uh, just the album we just talked about, man. If you if you're listening to this and you haven't heard Why Am I So Happy, go check it out. You know, you can awesome. stream it wherever. And just it, stick with you know, go find a Spose. I don't care what Spose song it is, but if it's a song that makes you feel like, oh, I could relate to Spose and it brings you in further, then boom. You know, that's all I care about. Um, awesome, but dude. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure, yeah. And uh, this uh, this will be up a, a week from Tuesday, so I'll be sure to send you the link to email once once it's out. And, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait to come back to New York. Yeah, thank you, man. I'll be back in New York in April. Excellent. I will be at that show. All right, man. Hey, uh, great talking to you, man. Have a great day. Thanks, folks. Take care, man. Peace. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.